0: Great. Well, we're in a a series on our Sunday mornings at the moment called Storyteller. Uh, And we're journeying through this amazing collection of stories that Jesus has left us with. And uh, I kicked it off this series and then had to hand it over to others. And it's been great to see how others have have unpacked it because there's so much in them. They're so powerful. And uh, as you get to grips with what they mean, they sort of live with you, don't they? I'm going to come to another one of those stories this morning, Matthew chapter 20, uh, verses 1 to 16. And Mary's going to come and read it for us matthew chapter 20 verses 1 to 16.
1: mask off glasses on there's so much to think about <laughs> This is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them out into his vineyard. About the third hour he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. He went out again about the 6th hour and about the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the 11th hour he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one's hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men were hired last, worked only an hour, they said. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do it? Don't I have the right to do what I wanted with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. So may God add his blessing to that reading of his holy word. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Mary. You do have to make quite an entrance now, don't you? Just to do a reading, it's amazing. Not you personally, that wasn't, no, generally. Amazing story. We're going to dive into this in, in just a moment this morning. I don't know if it's one that you're familiar with uh, or not, but such a powerful story. It cuts right to the heart of, of something, not just back in the day, but something in me and something in you. of course, it, it contains those words the last shall be first, and the first will be last. So just for a quick moment, uh, please don't get up and and, and move, but just with the people around you, uh, just have a chat. What do you think that means? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of these words? The last will be first. And the first will be last. I'll give you a couple of minutes to do this. If you're watching uh, online, if you're on your own, perhaps you just want to think about that. If you're able to, you might want to type an answer uh, in the chat bar or or on WhatsApp, we'll credit you if you get the answer right. Uh, Or you might want to share this moment uh, with others if you want to. Uh, But just where you are, just with the people around you, behind you, in front of you, wherever you are, what do you think that means? Take two minutes to have a chat.
1: Gracias. think
0: This side's gone quiet very early, so that either means they've got it, just nailed it straight away. <laughs> or they're trying to overhear somebody else's conversation. I did see one or two people on Google, but, you know, it's a resource, what can I say? It's a phrase that maybe you've heard if you've been around church because it's actually a phrase that, that gets used outside of them as well. The last should be first, and the first shall be last. I wonder what you made of that. It's the phrase that comes right at the end of the chapter before this one, and we'll look at that in just a second, and at the end of this story. You'll be glad that you're in church this morning, because this morning is a prize-giving day. Oh, that was more than I was expecting, actually. Thank you. Uh, there's, there's two things I love, um, if I can find them. One is um, chocolate coins. Who loves chocolate coins? I know that we're on the countdown to Christmas. When you see these things in the shops, those little bits of fresh, chilled chocolate in foil—who doesn't love these? That's one thing I love. Another thing I love uh, is punctuality. I really—I hate being late. I love people who are who are early. <laughs> love people who are early for stuff. Yes, it is. Thank you. She's freely admitting, Amy doesn't know how to use a clock, but. <laughs> Somebody was here really early when I got here this morning. James was here really early, and there was somebody else who was really here, here really early, and that was Ken, opening up. I'm going to see who's going to be really honest now. James, were you here before Ken, or was Ken here first? You were here before Ken, James. Come and come and get your come and get your chocolate coin. Come, come and get them, yeah? come on. Keep it going. It'll take him a while. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Actually, James, sorry, sorry come back, James, come back. Just, just, just stand there for a second, because perhaps you're thinking, that's not very really fair, he, he runs the sound desk, he's got to be here. No, no, you keep him for a moment. <laughs> and, you know, to be fair, we advertise that it starts at half past ten, and so if people want to get here for half past ten, that's absolutely fine. And I was keeping an eye on the door, and there was somebody who arrived bang on, Half 10 this morning, exactly half past 10. Do you know who you are? It was Mike Burton, Mike and Del Burton. Mike, come and get your chocolate. Come on. Mike, come on, I've got one for you. There you go, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. There you go. You are aware there's no watch there, aren't you? Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Are you counting? Kind of, yes, I thought you might do that. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh, Actually, before you go, Mike, before you go, that's that's probably not very fair either. Because, you know, there are times when we're late for stuff, aren't there? And there's that little thought in your mind, shall I just, shall I not go? Because I'm running really late. And so to be late and turn up anyway is really brave, isn't it? Who was late this morning? Pop your hand up for me. Who was the latest, do you think? Who was the last person through the door? Elona, come and join us. I knew it would be you. I knew it would be... I didn't really need to ask. Let's have a round of applause for Lona. Fantastic. Keep it going, she's got the furthest to come. Keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. There you go, Lona, fantastic, thank you. Uh, Perhaps not untypically, she took the longest to get here. Um, So, you were the earliest, and you got how many chocolates? It's not maths, it's just counting. <laughs> eight. <laughs> eight. And are you were bang on time. How many did you get? The same as him. You've already counted. You've got eight. Ilona, how many did you get? Eight. Fantastic. Let's, let's give me a round of applause. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> but you might be thinking this is just one Sunday. I've been coming here for years. I've never been given chocolate for coming to church. So, if you think you've been coming here the longest, pop your hand up for me. Who thinks they might have been coming to this church for the longest? Jill, how long have you been coming to Bethel? Do you know? Yeah, how, how long do you think you've been coming to Bethel? Don't even know. That, that's how long. That's how long. Well, this seems like a small prize, but we've got some cho- I won't make you come up, I'll bring it to you. There you go, there's some chocolate for you. There you go, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. But you might be thinking, that's not very fair. I mean, I'm just, I'm I'm new to this. I'm new to faith. So if you're a visitor this morning, can you pop your hand up for me? Ah, hello, guys. Fantastic. I'll come to you, Noachaka. I'll come to you. Fantastic. Let's give him a welcome. Let's give him a welcome. Fantastic. (laughs) There you go. There's some chocolate for you. Welcome. Good to see you. Fab. Uh, you've picked a do- dodgy couple to sit next to you, but what can I say? I'm so, so sorry about that. But you might be thinking, hang on, that, that's not very fair. So they got one just because they were visiting, and she got one because she's been here the longest, and they got one for being here early, but they were on a rotor and they just happened to be on time, and somebody got late and got rewarded for that. It's interesting, isn't it, how sometimes in life we're happy with what we've got, until we start to notice what someone else has, and we wonder, is that fair? Am I getting a fair deal? Am I getting what's right, what, what is owed me? And Jesus tells this amazing story. Uh, it's called the, the parable of the, the tenants, or some people have called it the parable of the wages. Uh, and we're just going to journey through this, this story together. So, there was a landowner, and he went down to the marketplace to look for some day laborers. Now, straight away, there are two things about this. There's one thing that is very familiar, and then there's something that's very unfamiliar. So the familiar part that everyone would have known about as Jesus was telling this story is that there's a time of year, it's called harvest time, when it gets really busy on the land, particularly for vineyard owners and and farmers. And so they will often, at this time of year, require extra help. But it's hard to predict. You don't know how much you're going to need, you don't know how long for. And so there's a whole bunch of people who will hang around the marketplace just waiting to see if there's any work. Now, these people, in terms of society, in terms of income, in terms of influence, uh, are very much at the bottom of the rung. Uh, They are desperate for just one day's work. Uh, In Jesus' day, food did not have a long shelf life. They didn't have fridges and those kind of systems or preservatives. Not many of them had had salt, but that was about it. And so food would last about a day, about a a day and a half if if you were lucky. Uh, And so if you couldn't work, You couldn't eat. And so often, the landowners would send somebody down, a manager or a steward, and their job was to sort of haggle, was to barter, to get the cheapest workers possible, because they knew they were desperate. And if you have no food, then any food is better than no food. If you have no money, any money is better than than no money. And so the market was a place where people would haggle and, and barter for workers. Now, here's something that's unfamiliar about this picture. This landowner doesn't send a manager or a steward. He comes himself and speaks to these day laborers, desperately looking for work. He himself enters the marketplace. That would have been unheard of. Immediately, Jesus' listeners would know this is a different kind of landowner. This is a different kind of of situation. And he gets talking to a, a whole bunch of them who are there early and uh, there's a, a discussion that takes place and, and they agree to work for a denarius. Now a denarius is a silver coin, a little Roman coin, but it's about uh, a, a day's wage back in, uh, back in the day uh, when Jesus was talking. Uh, it wasn't an extravagant amount of money, but certainly it was more than uh, most day laborers were used to getting. It's a good rate and they're happy they, they agree to work for that. The day goes on and the workload increases and they discover they need more workers. And so this landowner goes back down to the marketplace and finds more people. And he says to them, will will you come uh, and work on my land, work on on my vineyard, for what I feel is right to pay you. And they agree to do that. Uh, The day goes on even longer. And there's more work, there's more things that need to be done. So the landowner goes back down at noon and looks at the marketplace, and there's still day laborers there. So he says, you come quick, Uh, we need you on the farm. And they go and work as well. The work increases, it's not getting any easier. So he goes back down at 3 o'clock, same thing again. Any workers, come quick, we need you on the vineyard. And then right at the end of the day, 5 o'clock, I love the phrase used in the NIV, the 11th hour, 11th hour contract. Uh, but it was about 5 o'clock in, in our time. Uh, Jesus, uh, the landowner goes back down and finds anybody left there. Presumably they've been to other villages looking for work, haven't found any, come to this one, uh, and uh, received an invitation. Uh, and so they work until the end of the day, 6 o'clock. So the end of the day comes, and it's time to dole out the wages. So you've got some people who've been working there all day, some people who've been working there an hour, and the landowner calls over the manager, and he says, I want you to call people forward for their wages. Uh, the, the, the people who were here last, I want you to put them first. And they receive a denarius. Now, this is the, kind of the deal of their lifetime. Nobody ever heard of getting paid a denarius for one hour's work. So if you're at this end of the line, you're thinking, wow, that was a good deal. Have they made a mistake? Should I keep my mouth shut? And then if you're at this end of the line, you're going, oh, wow. If they're getting a denarius, this is going to be big. This is going to be huge. And the reckoning goes on. The next people go up for their wages. One denarius. The next people, one denarius, the next people, one denarius. And then the people who've been there all day, go to get their wages, one denarius. Now weirdly, first thing in the morning, and the landowners down at the marketplace haggling for, for rates, they agree to this. They're, they're quite content with this. In fact, the phrase that he uses, as he summarizes this, uses the word agreement, which is where we get our word symphony from. There was harmony over this. There was r- real music. They were thrilled. There was music to their ears to get a denarius. But now when they're watching people getting paid that for doing an hour, and they've slaved all day, there's this grumbling, there's this discontent that arises in them. And so they go to the landowner and and voice this complaint. Uh, And Jesus tells us that it's in this context that we're to understand these words. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. What a bizarre story. What a bold story to tell Let's, let's just have a quick summary of this, just, just in case you haven't quite followed, followed it all. So we've got some people who are there early. Early for me is about 6, so we'll go with that, 6 o'clock. It's not for some of you, I know. Uh, we've got some people who've been working from 9, started the day then. Other people started at 12, some started at 3, and some started at 5. So any, um, anyone here who's good at working these things out, shout out if you are. So these guys have been working for one hour, these guys for three hours, six hours, so that's already, before we get to the others, that's already double the next group up. Then these guys, nine hours, and these guys, potentially a a 12-hour day, Uh, and yet the wages sheet looks like this. One, 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 one. Hmm. That's the right noise to make, Chris. How mm. many of us, if we're honest, start to get a little bit of symphony, 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 sympathy? <laughs> That's the right noise to make, sympathy, for those who are grumbling. Look at it. It's ridiculous. Can you imagine, Tim, our treasurer? Can you imagine, right, the scandal if we announce we're just going to give everyone, no matter how, how many hours they work, the exact same? Can you imagine? Stop smiling. You've got a mask on, but I can tell you're smiling. It's not an idea, okay? It'd be scandalous, wouldn't it? The wage gap that we see in our society is a huge issue. It's it's a justice issue. One of the things that's interesting about this story uh, is the phrases that are used to kind of bookend it. To one group of workers, the second group of workers, the landowner says, I'll agree to pay you what is right. And then at the end of the day, when people come and grumble, he says to them, I've done nothing wrong. So somehow this is a story about right and wrong. This is a story about... Justice, it's somehow a story about fairness, and yet, from my reckoning, from our viewpoint, that just does not look anything like fair, does it? It doesn't. Why is Jesus telling a story about his fair and just God and using a landowner that, to us, seems unjust and, and unfair and not good? These are the words that Jesus puts in the, uh, in the workers' mouths. Those who you were hired last only worked one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us uh, who bore the burden of the work and the heat of the day. Money does something to us. The problem is not the amount of money. The real issue is what they think money means. You have made them equal to us. Somehow along the way, money has got this way, hasn't it, of getting a grip on our hearts. Uh, The more you have, the less you want to give, the more you feel you need to hoard and, and, and keep. And it chips away at that generous part of us that wants to give and serve and uh, and bless. And somehow there are times when we're prompted by a situation to give and a little part of us thinks, "Hmm, can I give that up? Can I let that go? And the problem is not the amount of money. The problem is what the money means to us. It's fascinating that this story comes right after the story of the rich young ruler, a man who, who came to Jesus wanting to know how to live a good life. So Jesus asks him a question, well, what's in the law? How, how do you read it? And he reels off a whole list. To be fair, it's quite impressive, his, his memory. And he says, I've kept all that since my youth. What have I got to do? And Jesus looks right at him and right into his heart and says, there's just one thing, just any fans of Columbo? Do you remember that moment where Columbo seemingly was bumbling his way through a situation? And he'd turn around and he'd go, Just one more thing. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, i so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus turns to this man and says, Just one more thing. Sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And the man's face drops. There's a really interesting phrase that Matthew uses to record it. It says, He could not do it because of his great wealth. That's interesting, isn't it? He couldn't give away because he had a lot. Ouch. Couldn't do it. And Jesus watches him walk away and is heavy, he's heartbroken. He, he loves him as he walks away. And the disciples kind of gather around Jesus. And as Jesus watches this happen, he says, It's easier for a camel to enter the kingdom of heaven... Uh, to go to the ivory needle, sorry, than for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven. And so the disciples kind of realize the magnitude of this and say, well, who then can be saved? Jesus says, well, with us, with humans, it's impossible, but for God, nothing is impossible. And then Peter looks at him, and there's a really interesting thing that, that, that Peter says. Peter says, Lord, I've, we've given up everything. To follow you. What will there be for us? Isn't that a strange question? They've just seen somebody, a rich young man, a successful person who cannot walk the way of the kingdom, cannot give up, cannot let go. They've just seen him walk away. And Peter's first response is, what will there be for me? And Jesus says, listen, at the great renewal of all things, the great reversal. You'll sit on the thrones, you'll you'll judge over the kingdom. People who have given to the kingdom will receive from God, will be given to. And then he says, and the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. As I've been reading that um, this week, it's really struck me that the way that I've thought of that, and that's why I wanted you guys to, to chat it through, Uh, is that I've often imagined that the the first are the rich and the powerful and the influential, those with status and importance, basically, not me. And then there are the last, the poor, the forgotten, the oppressed, the neglected, and if I'm honest, I'm not one of those either. And so this phrase, if we're not careful, has nothing to do with me, really. part of what God will do at the end of the age, to to balance the books, to bring justice to his world, and that will be great, and those of us in the middle won't really move around that much at all. But Jesus does not put these words in the lips of the landowner to wealthy people, but to the day laborers, to the lowest. Yes, you thought you were going to receive a certain amount of money, but that does not move you up The society, that does not make you any greater. does not make anybody else your equal. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Therefore, the challenge is, are we prepared to be the last? Are we prepared to give, to surrender, to release, to to let go? There's a really interesting thing that the landowner says here. I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for... A denarius. Until you compared what you were getting to what somebody else was going to get, you were happy. Remember that Jesus tells this story, uh, and it just works on on so many levels, not just on its own, but but in that context of just having watched somebody walk away and the disciples wondering, well, well, what about us then? What, What about me? I wonder if this is a story that cuts to that part of me and that part of you that struggles when we see others blessed. Or struggles when we're blessed and we see others struggle. How many times, like uh, Peter, have we said to the Lord, Yeah, but Lord, what about them? I've grown up in, uh, in church, and from time to time I, I love testimony nights. I love it when people share uh, something that, that God has done in their life. and. There are those times, aren't there, when you hear a testimony and you just think, Premier League testimony. (laughs) If anyone's going to heaven, that person is going to heaven. And then you look at your story and you wonder if you'd make first division. Jesus says, not so in the kingdom. See, the thing that the all day workers had missed, is that whether they'd worked for 12 hours or whether they'd worked for one hour, they were desperate, they needed this money. If the landowner didn't pay the people who'd agreed to work for him for an hour a denarius, they wouldn't eat. They couldn't provide for their family, and so the only way he can work it out, the only way he can be fair is to be fair to everyone, even those at the 11th hour. Some of us are very 11th hour. Some of us love a deadline because we know the second before it's got to be done, and that's helpful to us at times. And sometimes people seem to put things off, don't they, with, with God. There are people who, very early on in their life, seem, seem to discover the gospel and it makes sense to them and it pulsates in them, and there's this life that is lived out in service and sacrifice and, uh, and surrender, and we look on and marvel. And then there are other people who live this life that is apart from God, that is ugly and selfish and dirty, and then right at the last minute find the gospel and it pulsates in them and this grace flows to them. And Jesus says at the great reckoning, whether we think we are first or whether we think we are last, we have a landowner, we have a king who will treat us all fairly. The problem in this story is that the workers want to tell the landowner what to do with his money. And the problem in my heart is that I want to tell God what to do with His grace. And it's His grace. Time and time again, he keeps on being lavish and generous in unexpected, unexplainable places, because that's who he is. He calls this man a friend clearly the spokesperson of this group, the troublemaker, if you like, the the one who's been nudged to the front to go and complain about it. He says, I was not being fair to you, friend. I wonder how many times in our relationship with God we want to use the language of work. And he wants to use the language of friend. See, the thing that these guys got was a day with the landowner. He'd come to them, spoken to them. He'd, he'd seen them not just of worthy of work, but able to, uh, to, to be entrusted with, with, his, with his vineyard. He, they'd had this relationship with him. And now they were willing to trade that over, over an argument over money, over stuff. I wonder how many times in my relationship with God I've allowed things to deteriorate because I'm more cross about his stuff than I am about him. I'm more interested in something I want him to do, something I want him to give me, something I want him to release, rather than, he calls me friend. I remember reading a a diary uh, years ago of, of a young woman called Agnes. And Agnes, as she read the scriptures, became convinced that Jesus didn't spend as much time as she did in church and spent far more time with the impoverished and with the forgotten. And so she went to her church and said, I I want to go and serve the world's poor. And they laughed at her and said, why why would you leave? Why would you want to go anywhere? But she went anyway. With no support and, and no funding. She asked somebody, where's the poorest place in the world? And they took a guess that it was India. And so she went to India. Tried to serve there. When she got to India, she asked, where's the poorest place in this country? And she was told, and, and she went there, and it was rough. Nobody supported her as a young Christian woman in India back in, the day, back in the day. Nobody wanted her there. Nobody supported her, but she fought. And as she worked in this one place, she realized that the, uh, the poorest of the poor in the poorest place on the planet were the street children those who were unwanted and were kicked out. And so she began to take them in and, and, and plant an, an orphanage. Again, struggle, difficulty, danger. This was her daily reality. Uh, there was one point when it got spiritually so dark for her. There were so many struggles that she felt really far from God. And when that happened, she wrote this in her diary. Though you seem far away from me, I will endeavour to love you like you've never been loved. We don't call her Agnes now, we call her Mother Teresa. That place was Calcutta. A huge legacy of love now exists. And at one point she was campaigning for something and trying to fundraise for something, and it just wasn't coming in. And in her diary she writes so honestly, about the pain of that and the doubt of that and the struggle of that. And yet, at the end of that, she writes something. and She writes it down because she wants to hold it as a deeply held conviction. And what she wrote was this. Even if you do not answer one, of my, one more of my prayers at the cross you've already given me, more than I could ever ask or imagine, even if you never answer even one more of my prayers. At the cross you've already given me, so much more than I could ask or imagine. It'd do us all good, wouldn't it, to write that down and to read it and to pray it until we feel it as a deeply held conviction. And so what I want us to do this morning is to come back to the cross, to recognize that we are the desperate, If we're not invited, we we can't come. And just simply to receive grace today. And so what I want to just invite you to do is to bow your head. Maybe just, if you're comfortable to do this, just open your hands before God. The first thing I want you to do is just to think about yourself right now and your own heart. It's easy to think, isn't it, that the problems of entitlement or greed are are only for those who have loads. Well, not so. Not so. So, Holy Spirit, we pray right now that you would just speak to us. In this story, Jesus asks the disciples a question. Are you being envious because I'm being generous? And we confess, Lord, that for each and every one of us, envy is a huge issue. Comparing. So Holy Spirit, would you come right now just minister the wealth of your grace, the power of your peace, to hearts that maybe at times feel battered and bruised, belittled and broken. And just secondly, I'd like you to think about the people that are sat around you. And just in the stillness of your heart, just begin to pray for them. That God would minister that grace to those around you. Perhaps those who've felt the shadow of a premier league Christian. that they too might know this grace. And then thirdly and finally, I'd love you just to think of those further afield. Just one or two people in your life that just need to know this this grace. (coughs) This invitation, this hope. Just name them before God, too. So, Lord, we just pray right now. We're so aware as we read these stories, as we read your words, that our thoughts are not your thoughts. Our ways are not your ways. Often our vision of ourselves and others is not your vision. So Lord, would you heal our eyes, we pray, to see with fresh grace, to see with fresh love, as more and more like you see.